Hello, thank you for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. We're talking all about the Olympic soccer tournament or Olympic football tournament, I suppose is how they call it. We talk about the men's side of the tournament and the women's side of the tournament. And most importantly, who we think the medals are going to. Stick around for that. Give us a rating and a review if you enjoy the show. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. Links to our social medias are down in the show notes. Go give us a follow. And yeah, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another deep dive episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack. I am a Chelsea fan, Atalanta fan, Minnesota United fan, French national team fan. And you know what? As a result of last week's deep dive, I'll even say it, a U.S. men's national team fan. So uh, there we go. Uh, And uh, I'm joined here with AJ. Yeah, I'm AJ. I'm everyone's favorite Minnesota United, West Ham United, and U.S. national team fan. And Jack, how come you're not saying AC Milan, right? You're AC Milan's uh, newest, biggest fan, right? What's going not on there? Not a chance. Not a chance. I can't support AC Milan. I, it conflicts with an, being an Atalanta fan. That's like that's like supporting. Uh, it, it's basically like supporting West Ham and Chelsea at the same time. Okay. Just they're they're too close together. And all right. Uh, yeah, I'm I I know I know people who are listening can't see. I've got my Giroud jersey on. It won't have as it won't have as big of a use next season, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I neither of my jerseys are from Chelsea are really good anymore. I have a Giroud jersey and a Pulisic twenty two jersey. Neither of them are being used anymore. So but yes, well, Giroud got transferred to AC yeah. Milan for it, two it, million. It, it, <sighs> It's not official yet, right? So, so oh, Fabrizio Romano gave it the here we go. It's too late. Yeah. It's just too so, late. Just so everyone knows, we're recording this the Thursday before this comes back because Jack's going on vacation right now. He's Again. on vacation right now as, as like this episode gets released. So it might be official by the time this episode comes out. But yeah, Giroud's on his way to AC Milan. Sad days for Jack. Sad days. Yeah, the best player in the world. Dang. <laughs> Okay, well, Jack, you 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 are on vacation right now. Can you tell us like where you probably are at, like on what Thursday morning when this episode Ooh, comes out? In this one, I will be going to Disneyland. Uh, wow. So, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Disney. For if I haven't mentioned it before, I have a timeshare, uh, or my family does rather, uh, on the Disney properties. So, cool. I'm I'm heading out there, and otherwise. If not there, I think I'll be in L.A. So, yeah, I, but I'm pretty sure it's Disneyland right. when this comes out. Yeah, big man going on two vacations, leaving me to fend for myself <laughs> yet again. But it, it's it's fine because we had we had a special guest on on some on for Monday's episode. So it's all yeah. good. Yeah, we, we had read on. That was a good time. That's in the future for us. I guess I really can't <laughs> say much about that. Uh, a little bit of meta. For, but J- Jack, I. I I miss doing these deep dive episodes with just you and I, like just going into like one specific topic. The last three episodes have been just, you know, we've been talking to a lot of guests recently, Mm -hmm. which is great for uh, our listeners and also, you know, gaining more listeners. But I I miss just talking about a tournament or some some specific topic. So, Jack, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, probably the biggest tournament in the world, I think. Maybe not for soccer, but... The biggest oh, yeah. tournament in the world, which is the Olympics. Yeah. So we're going to be covering both sides of the Olympics, the men's and women's side of the tournament that's going to be kicking off 
is it July 18th that that it kicks off? It's it's coming up here. I think it's in a uh, uh, it's actually the, the tournament for this. I don't know if the Olympics start earlier. The 21st of July. OK, yeah. The the Olympics kicks off uh, or starts up on July 18th. And then the soccer or football, as it's called for the Olympics, mm-hmm. kicks off on the 21st then. So we're going to have to wait three days uh, for, ah. for the rest of it. But real quick before we start this episode, AJ. What is your favorite Olympic sport besides soccer to watch? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question, actually. Uh, I'm obviously really big into track and field. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like that's like the go-to sport for a lot of people. But if there's one sport that I'm going to be like for sure watching other than soccer, it's going to be USA Basketball. We have a lot of great basketball right. players coming there. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun tournament to watch. Other than that, uh, Jack, we, we actually, I don't know if you know him personally. I don't really know him personally, but we do have someone who graduated from our high school. Yes, Who's we do, going yeah. to be there in shot put. So I'll That's have to cool. keep an eye out for that. Yeah. What's uh, yours, Jack? Well, I'm not sure. I, I think I might have told you this, but I don't think I've said it on the podcast. I used to do competitive swimming and mm-hmm. I did that for about seven years. Wow. So I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to swimming and also uh, someone from my hometown is actually representing the U.S. in swimming. Nice. So that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, awesome, awesome. But we're, we're not talking about right. Katie Ledecky or Kevin Durant or Simone Biles or whoever. We're talking about soccer. And l- l- let's talk about a little bit about the, the format of the Summer Olympics for soccer, because I feel like not a lot of people really know it because the Olympics is not really a popular tournament in terms of world soccer. So. This tournament begins for the women's uh, side of things on the 21st of Wednesday. Uh, men's is the 22nd, which is a Thursday. It goes on for two and a half weeks, so a very, very quick tournament. These uh, players are going to be playing every two days, pretty much. Or, wow. yeah, a- every three days. They have a two-day break, so it's going to be fast. Games are going to be coming heavy. And on the men's side of things, there are four groups of four uh, the top two teams in those groups, they play each other uh, once for a total of three group stage games per team. The top two teams of each of those groups advances to the quarterfinals where it's basically just a knockout tournament from there. Uh, there is a third place team. That's how you get the bronze medalists. Uh, on the women's side, there are less teams. It's going to be four groups or three groups of four. The top two teams also go on to the quarterfinals. However, because there is not a fourth group, the two best third place teams also qualify to that uh, first knockout round, the quarterfinal. And then from there, it is a knockout tournament. The women's tournament is a full senior tournament, is basically like the second most important women's uh, football tournament, second to the World Cup. For the men's side, there's a million different tournaments. We've already been talking about tournaments so much this year. So obviously there's not enough room for another senior tournament. So the men's side is a U23 tournament. And full disclosure, before we get into uh, the men's tournament and Group A, this is a U23 tournament. Jack and I are not very well versed in all things uh, U23s in terms of all these other countries that we don't really see a lot of in uh, the big top five leagues in Europe. So a lot of our information comes from 
uh, news analysts from those countries, fans of those countries, uh, some research that we did on Wikipedia or Goal.com or wherever. So full disclosure on that. But we, we still try to do our best to give you the key players, uh, some of the overage players that they brought. Uh, what else are we talking about, Jack? Uh, uh, our predicted winners and our group by group rankings of right. all of them. The X, the X factors, I suppose, of each of these teams. So I've done enough talking. Jack, why don't you walk us through the key players, the, the X factor, or whatever you want to talk about with the teams from Group A. And give us the teams in, in Group A as well. Right. So let me just start off get going through the teams. So we have Japan, South Africa, Mexico, and France. So this group, if you can guess, I'm going to be paying attention to quite a lot. Uh, so let's start with the hosts, Japan. And they've got a few key players coming along in here. So uh, one that I want, uh, there's two major ones that I wanted to highlight here. Takafusa Kubo, who is a Real Madrid player, but he played on loan at both Villarreal and Hetafe. And he didn't score a lot. I'll, I'll admit that much. He only scored once for each team. He, he had two separate loan spells and he only scored once for each of those teams. But he has been a pretty promising young talent. And one thing that I noticed when I watched uh, Villarreal play a few games uh, against Atletico Madrid, because I, I'm a, I, I kind of like Atletico Madrid, uh, he, he provides some pace. He provides a lot of pace, in fact, down either flank. He's, he's good on either flank. He's better at the right flank, but he seems like a really promising young player that could potentially burn through some of these defenses. You know, uh, Maybe not France or, or Mexico, but South Africa for sure. Like he, he could he could get in behind and he could be an X factor for Japan. Mm -hmm. However, I also want to highlight the experience that Japan has at the back. And this comes with an overage player in uh, how, how do I Maya Yoshida, who was a, a very sure. good center back for Sampdoria. They finished ninth in Serie A, and he's also going to be their captain this time around. He like I said, he's an overage player, but. He was excellent for Sampdoria. He, he made a ton of important blocks. He chipped in two goals as well. Very good. Uh, very good work by him. But then their overage players that Japan have besides Maya Yoshida, they've got Hirokai, uh, Hirokai Sakai, uh, who's a right back from Red Diamonds in the Chinese Pro League, and Wataru Endo, who's a center mid for Stuttgart, who is also going to be a pretty good player for them, kind of controlling the play from the center of the field there. Then we uh, then we move on to South Africa, and I don't have much to say about them because they actually haven't named an Olympic squad yet, <laughs> but they did have a 78-man provisional list, which I did not go through every single player on there, but they did have a few good inclusions, and if they get released, they could be very solid. That includes Brighton's Percy Tau, who had a very good loan spell at Anderlecht this past season, and I'm going to butcher this, but... Kego Gelo Chauke of Southampton, who made his senior debut in the FA Cup this past season and made a decent enough account of himself. Maybe not perfect, but he, he did pretty well, given that Southampton had a lot of injury problems this past season. Uh, and obviously, I can't say much else because don't know any of their overage players, <laughs> don't know their key players. I j those are the two that I wanted to highlight, though. Uh, and then Mexico who, uh, you know, USMNT fans are not going to be happy about this because Mexico are very good in this. It, it looks to be in this Olympics. 
Uh, some key players that I'm highlighting, I'm going to highlight two. Luis Romo, who was really good for Cruz Azul this past season as they won the title for the first time in 24 years. It, did I get that right? 24 years, is it? Uh, it yeah, it's been a while. I, tw- 24, 25, whatever. Yeah, it's, it, it's been a long it's time. It's been a long time, yeah. And he, he chipped in two goals and five assists in 12 games. He has, he has decent hold-up play. He's a good okay. player and provides some good experience for, for them. Uh, you know, he's also a center mid, so scoring isn't necessarily his goal, but assisting, very good. And then, of course, we have the Mexican Messi, as the media dubbed him, mm-hmm, Diego Lanes. And while he hasn't had, scored a goal in a thousand days for his club, for his club, but he did score against the it, U.S. in the Nations yeah, League final, and, it, wa- and it was a pretty good goal. And <laughs> yes, he, it was. Yes, it was. He, I like, uh, it, it was a good goal. He scored what a minute after coming on i think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he has started he started off the summer very well and I, I i think he could do pretty well here as well again very fast winner that's a that's a lot of what you see from a lot of these teams really and he could cause some damage if he can tap into his national team form and not his club form now overage players of course everyone knows this the first one guillermo ochoa their Mexico's number one goalkeeper has been for a long time. He played at the Olympics in 2004, I believe it, it, it was. So he's been he's been around for a while. Uh, Mexico obviously opting for some experience between the sticks. Luis Romo is there is another overage player at center mid, and Henry Martin, who is a striker for Club America, was not very good this past season. He didn't score, so a, a little interesting inclusion there. But obviously, just needing some experience there. Uh, finally, then in this group, we have France uh, and there's some key players here. Pierre Kalulu from Milan, who had a pretty good season for Milan, even though he got he got kicked out a little bit because Teo Hernandez is ahead of him. Uh, he scored one goal in 13 games at right back, though, which isn't too bad. And, you know, coming second in the Serie A, not bad at all. And then uh, we, we've got Randall Kolumwani from Nantes, who scored nine and assisted eight for a struggling team in league on this past season, who I'd back to do pretty well. And finally, Anthony Kotsi, Kachi, I pronounced that wrong, was fantastic for Strasbourg as they barely stayed up and assisted two goals and kept 10 clean sheets in 31 games. Obviously, though, this France team is not as strong as it could be because the original squad had Eduardo Camavinga, uh, Lucas Kakare, or, or Maxi Kakare, sorry. Uh, and then, you know, the, it could have been a lot better basically is, is, what, is what I'm saying. But obviously the clubs didn't want to release them, but this is still a solid enough squad that should do quite well. Overage players, we've got some really familiar faces here. Flo, Florian Tovan, who's a right winger who recently transferred from Marseille to Tigres. His teammate, his new teammate now, Andre Pierre Guignac, who's a striker from Tigres, who had a, a very good run in the Club World Cup and the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, as they won it, so that that's that, that's always a plus for them. Uh, and then Teji Savanier, who is a center mid from Montpellier, who is a very good center mid as well. I I really like what I've seen of him. But a- after all that, the group ranking that I have here is first can say bias, but France. I think they have a solid <laughs> enough squad that should do enough to get through this. They had they they topped their group in uh in the euros or the u21 euros they're they're a good team 
even, even if they're missing some names. And then I, in second, I have Mexico. I think Mexico have produced a pretty good side here, especially given that they, they brought a ton of good players to the Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a pretty good side that uh, all things considered. And then in third place, I have Japan. Uh, I think they could create some damage if if they get lucky in some of these games and produce a few draws here and there. But overall, I, I think Mexico and France are a little bit better. And then finally, South Africa. I just I, I put them in last because I don't know anything about them, really, That's, <laughs> which is unfortunate for them because maybe they're an amazing team, but I just don't have enough information to go off of. Yeah, the next Messi is actually going to be from South Africa, so I think oh, you're okay. selling oh, them short a little bit. Dang. I don't know. No. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe this Olympics does produce that. Who yeah, knows? M- maybe, but I do doubt that. I also have the exact same uh, rankings for Group A as you. All right. For France. If I'm being honest, their U21 team on paper seems to be better than the team that they're bringing here. I don't know if you yeah, agree with that, it, disagree with that. No, it's true. Yeah, this is definitely a weakened team from yeah. what they could be bringing. And and honestly, if they had a team like what they brought to the U21 Euros, would you agree that they probably would be favorites to win this Olympics? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you'd have Deot Upamecano uh-huh, exactly. in the back line. You, you'd have... Mike Mignon in the in the goalkeeper position because he's 23. You, I I could go on and you could have Mbappe playing. Like I mean, you could you could. I mean, you you could you could go absolutely crazy with this lineup. Odson Edward, who's been fantastic for Celtic. Uh, I think a, a while ago I posted on Twitter like my dream lineup for the Olympics for France, and none of it happened. Yes. Uh, so that you, take that as you will. Uh, I mean, like it they. They produced a solid squad, even without uh, all of those big names. Mm-hmm. I, I still think they have enough to at least get out of the group in what position that will be one or two. I don't know, because we have in second place a good Mexico side. I'll also uh, highlight Antuna and Sebastian Cordova as two potential attackers right. that can create some chances for them. It's a good squad, uh, but whether they can compete on this level is a bit of a toss up. Like Jack said, they took a lot of really good players to the Gold Cup, so we'll see. Japan, they're hosting the tournament, so I think don't think we should really underestimate that bit, but at the same time, there's not going to be a lot of fans in stadiums, if any, so... I don't think there's any. I'm pretty yeah. sure they, they announced there's no spectators uh, today. Yeah, so that, that's going to be very tough for Japan to get that home field advantage. But in the past Olympics, they haven't had a lot of European-based players. Now they do, so that's a huge improvement. So who knows what can happen there? Maybe they can sneak into second. South Africa, I got nothing to say about them other than I really hope to see some uh, players there that really catch my attention. I'd, I'd love to see that. Uh, and with that, let's go on to Group B, which I'm covering. Uh, there is New Zealand, South Korea, Honduras, and Romania. So going in that order, let's go with New Zealand first. And let's be clear, I want New Zealand to win. I really do. They have Michael Boxel, Minnesota's second captain, Winston Reed, former West Ham Hammer of the Year, and Chris Wood, who is a pretty good Burnley striker. They are the overage players for this New Zealand side. However, they won't win this. They won't do well. I don't think they're even going to get out of this group, unfortunately. They've only qualified for two Olympic games in the past, and they have yet to win a single game. And that's not to say that they won't win a game here, but that's kind of to say that historically the player pools hasn't been there, even though it has progressed since then, it just isn't 
at the same level as any of these other teams. Yes, you have these cool overage players as well as midfielders Clayton Lewis of Wellington Phoenix and Johnny Stenesnez of Central Coast Mariners. But really, let's face it, you can imagine the player pool of New Zealand is going to be thinner than South Korea's, Honduras's, and even Romania's. So for that reason, spoiler alert, I have them last. But next up is South Korea. South Korea is a very good side. And any of the remaining three teams I, I have going up uh, after New Zealand could be in any position in the top three. They were the champions of the AFC U23 Asian Cup in 2020 and won the Asian Games in 2018. This squad has been and still is very good. Some of the key players that I uh, noted are Lee Kang-in, who's a midfielder from Valencia. Lee Dong-jun, who's a striker for Ulsan Hyundai, has been doing pretty well for them. And probably the standout player who isn't an overage player for me is going to be Song Min-kyu, who is going to be their star striker and was the K-League's Young Player of the Year last year. So definitely keep an eye out for him. Uh, their overage players that I see on Wikipedia right now as I'm reading it off this list, Kim Min-jae and Kwon Chong-hoon. Uh, from Beijing Guan and Suwon Samsung Blue Wings, respectively. Don't know too much about them. I know more about the younger players than them, honestly. Uh, I, th I think the big story here is there's going to be no Sun Hyung Min from Tottenham. I believe he maybe wanted to play here, but he is a pretty big reason why they won the U23 Asian Cup back in 2020. So to lose him is going to be uh, something that hurts South Korea in general. Next is Honduras, and I'll be honest, Honduras always steps up when it comes to these U23 tournaments. They take the U team seriously. They were fourth in the last Olympics, and since 2000, they have never gotten worse than third place in the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying tournament. That's very, very impressive. They beat the U.S. to qualify, unfortunately, and almost beat Mexico in the final, so they're still a serious team. They have great players from the best Honduran teams like Real Espana, Matagua, and Olympia. Their overage players are Brian Moya of 1D Agosta in Angola, of all places, and George Bangushi of o Olympia. Both not big stars for Honduras, so I'd really look at Douglas Martinez, their striker from RSL, as one of the key players here. They're such a cohesive team, and I really don't think you can overstate how important it is to have a side that really knows each other they've played together before and a, a national team that has taken some of their best players to this team uh, to this tournament so I, I think they might do well uh in this tournament as well lastly is romania and let me just spoil something here i have romania in first place now if <laughs> Jack just put his hand on his head. Now, if uh, if you are a long time listener, you will remember that my girlfriend's uh, family is from Romania. And if I choose Romania to not do well in this tournament, I will not be allowed back uh, at in her home. I, I will not be able to talk to her family ever again. But honestly, I, I do believe in this Romania team. So call me biased all you want. Call, call me a homer all you want. I, I, I think this Romania team can do well. Despite not having qualified for the Olympics, 
since they were known as the Socialist Republic of Romania. That was in 1964. That was also in Tokyo, actually. That's how far back it goes. But the thing about these guys here in Romania that really stood out to me is that, you know, I, I can name a few key players, but a lot of these guys have been playing together for a long time. And that's really important. Since the U-17s, many of these players have been building chemistry through the U-17s, through the U-21s. The same U-21 team that made it to the semifinals of the U-21 European Championships in 2019 and this year almost made it out of a group with Germany and the Netherlands. Like, they were tied on points, only lost out on goal difference. This team can't stick it up for itself. You have George Ganea, Tudor Baluta, Andre Ratiu of Villarreal, Andre Asiubanu, who's already played 110 professional matches at 23, and Marius Marin. Not only are they decent youth players, but the fact that they have been playing together since the U-17s, they qualified together, is going to be a huge asset. And when it comes to these youth tournaments, that is such a big part of building a team that can compete. Jack and I talked about this earlier. They have lost some players that are a bit too good to make it to the Olympics, uh, like uh, Yanish Haji. But at the same time, they have kept a good amount of those players. And the fact that they have that cohesion going on, just like with Honduras, it, it really speaks volumes to what they can do. So I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to have Romania on top. I'm going to have Honduras in second because I really, really believe in the team that they have. And they beat the U.S., so if they don't qualify out of the group, I'm going to feel really bad about myself. South Korea third, very close to Honduras and New Zealand, unfortunately for Michael Boxall, last. Jack, feel free to flame me for having Romania on top. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I wanted to start with the first thing about um, South Korea and Hyunmin Son because I was looking at it. Son actually got permission from Tottenham to play in the Olympics, but the coach didn't call him up because right, I did see that because uh, he was too worried about his long term fitness because he had a bunch of hamstring injuries for Tottenham last season, playing fifty one matches, and because they're in the final stage of World Cup qualification. He doesn't want to risk his long-term fitness, which, you know, is a fair concern. That's that's very so. smart, actually. So I, I'm I'm right there with their head coach there. Yeah. So I, I think it's it, it is pretty smart. Uh, but even without him, I actually put South Korea top. Ooh, I, I did. I like this. I, like I, I think this. I think they have a really solid squad. They do. And like you said, they've been dominant in Asia the past few the past few years. Sure, they're missing some players, but they've still been good. And because of that, I, I put them on, on top. Second, I have Honduras. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think Honduras, like you said, really does well in these competitions. They clearly invest in their youth, and it, it's really paid off for them. Third, I have Romania, which sure. I, I, I would have put them first if they had Giannis Hadji. I, I actually, that's like the X factor. I really think that's the X factor for them, because he was a big reason why they made it into uh, the knockout rounds of the U21 uh, 2019 UEFA Championships. Without him, they they don't they don't make it out of that out of that group. I, I in my opinion, at least. And okay, so that, okay. that, that that's that's what that's what I'm 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 basing this off of. I think he's their X factor. Without him, I 
I, I think like they're going to struggle to break down Honduras, for example, and South Korea has a solid enough squad. And unfortunately, that means New Zealand comes in last for me, uh. which is I, I mean, I, I also think Chris Wood is a, is a pretty solid striker, maybe not a fantastic one. But he scores goals that have great utility for his team. And that's all that matters at the end end of the day. So who knows? New Zealand could make an upset. I doubt it, but they could. <laughs> I'm hoping for it, but don't think it's happening. All right. All right. So a, a little bit of discrepancy there. Uh, I have yeah. a feeling that this next group, I don't know, there might be some discrepancy, but at least the top two, I feel like we're both very confident in. Jack, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> take us to group C then. Well, let's start who we all know with who we all know is winning this group, of course, Egypt. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're already on the same track. Egypt first, so uh, some. I'm I'm gonna start with their overage players. Uh, they have uh, Mohamed El El Shinawi, who's a goalkeeper for Al Ali, which is a solid team, and then they have Ahmed Hagazi, who is a center back for Al Al Ittihad. And first of all, I think he's one of their key players. Ahmed Higazi was absolutely massive at the back for Al Etihad in the Saudi league this past season. He was put in the team of the season for this league, and rightfully so. He was fantastic for them. Uh, and then I want to move over to I, who I think is the actual standout player, which is Yasser Ryan, who is you know the, the biggest standout because in 23 games, the ceramic Cleopatra man has scored 15 goals, which is the most in the Egyptian league this past season. Finally, Imam Ashur has been one of the best players in the Egyptian league this season as well. Uh, on FootMob, at least, which, you know, you can criticize it all, all you want, but it's it's a decent source, has been bossing in midfield, scoring four and assisting three in 15 games as his club, Zamalek SC, has stormed to the top of the league with a 13-point lead over Al Ali. So overall, this Egypt team isn't too bad, even though they're missing Mo Salah, who Liverpool would not release for the Olympics. So that that's how Egypt are looking at this tournament. Maybe maybe not the best, but certainly not bad at all. Then we move on to, let's be real, the actual favorites of this group, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. Spain. And uh, they, they've got a ton of key players here. Unai Simon, who plays for Athletic Bilbao, Pau Torres for Villarreal, Pedri for Barcelona, Mikel Oyazerbal for Sociedad, all players in the Euros, as well as Eric Garcia, who's now playing for Barcelona, Oscar Mingueza, who played pretty well for Barcelona. Their entire defensive line and is just standout players who can who are first team players who contribute for their country at the senior level. Plus, they've got arguably Spain's best player in the Euros, Danny Omo, who's playing for them. He he was he was absolutely outstanding for for uh, Spain this past tournament. And then you've got Rafa Mir up top, who was on loan to Huesca this past season and scored 13 goals in 38 games for a pretty average team in Huesca. So that's pretty good. Uh, overage players. They've even got stacked overage players. Danny Ceballos, a center <laughs> mid for Real Madrid. Mikel Moreno, who's a center mid for Sociedad and Marco Asensio who is a winner for Real Madrid, who had a, a beautiful goal against Liverpool in the Champions League, uh, if, if, if you remember that, AJ. But overall, yeah. the message about this Spain squad is the squad is stacked to the brim with talent. There, there is not a single part of this team that seems weak. Uh, and that, that's what I have to say about Spain. And for our, next, we're going on to Argentina. And 
you know, they've got some key players and actually a lot of MLS representation going on here. Claudio Bravo, who is uh, playing for Portland, has been a great left back for the Timbers. I think he was actually the best player on the pitch when uh, Minnesota United played them uh, Mm -hmm. or like last month. Uh, He he was the best player for that on the entire pitch. He's created tons of chances from fullback. He loves to get forward, but he's not bad defensively either. So that that's really good for Argentina. And they'll need it to keep players like Mikel Oyazerbal quiet for from Spain. Then you've got Ezekiel Barco, who is a, from Atlanta, who has been pretty good as well this past, uh, this past season. Maybe not as be- as good as he usually is, but pretty good overall. And then the biggest name, I think, at least in this in this Argentina squad, is Alexis McAllister, who has had a pretty good season for Brighton. He scored and assisted once in 13 games, which might not be the most outstanding numbers. But he creates a lot of key chances for the forwards to finish, finish, averaging 1.2 chances created and 1.2 key passes per game. He he creates those chances, and that's what this team is going to need to get past the likes of Spain. Uh, so th- I think he could be pretty good. And then for overage players, there or should I say overage player, because Argentina is only picking one, which is Jeremias Ledesma, who's a goalkeeper for, for Cadiz. Yeah, that's all you that, need. That's that, all you that, need. That's what you really need because the <laughs> most important attribute of a goalkeeper really is experience. Mm-hmm. And getting some experience leadership between the sticks should help Argentina quite a bit this tournament. So that's Argentina. Then moving on to the final team, which is Australia. They've got some key players in here. Daniel Arzani, who holds the record for the youngest Australian to play at a World Cup. And now with a few decent loan spells away from Manchester City, he'll be looking to create and score from either wing. Then you've also got Melbourne's Nathaniel Atkinson, who's looked good. He can play at either fullback position and scored once and assisted twice in 12 games, which from fullback is not too bad of a contribution. His most recent match actually produced a man-of-the-match-worthy performance over Sydney FC, where his goal equalized as Melbourne City went on to win the A-League title. So that, that's pretty big. He's coming off of a good performance, so not too bad. And then finally, we got Connor Metcalf, who is also in Melbourne's winning team, who scored five and assisted three in 24 games from central defensive midfield, which could be useful for them. They've got a few overage players, Rulon Tongiak, who's a center back from Central Coast Mariners, and Mitchell Duke, who is a striker for Al Tawoon, one of the few players to play outside of the A-League. But overall, the one concern for Australia is they have a lot of players who create chances, but not many who put them away. And I think that could be their downfall in this tournament. And because of that, I'm going to go from bottom up. Fourth, I have Australia. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I, I think that striker situation, Mitchell Duke hasn't been that great for El Tawun this past season, and they don't have many other standout strikers. I So I had to put him last. Third, I put Egypt because, as I said, their their striker is the top scorer in the entire Egyptian league this season. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and he's not even an overage player. He's 23. So that's fantastic for them. And then second, I have Argentina, you know, good players who can contribute, but not the best. And Spain at, at in first. I mean, I don't think anyone can disagree on that one unless AJ, do you have Spain anywhere other than top? I might have to I might have to leave if you, if you have them anywhere other than top. <laughs> but I, I do have them on top. I have right, Argentina okay. second. I have Australia and Egypt flipped. Really, I, right. I see these two teams as kind of similarly 
uh, placed in terms of reputation and potential. I think I can honestly see uh, Egypt being ahead of Australia. I just have them that way because that's just how I've, I view the teams. Very debatable. Spain and Argentina, I think, are very clear cuts uh, yeah. in opposition to those other two teams. And I, I do think Spain is on top of not just this group, but potentially this entire tournament. Just because when you look at the Olympics, it's really about <laughs> having enough mid-level players to fill out an Olympic squad. And right. that's the downfall with the U.S. because we had too many uh, top-level players, but not enough mid-level players that are good enough to qualify for the Olympics. And Spain obviously has it. We have Pedri, who has played every single minute for Spain at the Euros, coming here to the Olympics. Like This is a very, very deep squad. Other teams are obviously struggling to you know, come up with some good players. I'm thinking about like France and stuff. But the fact that Spain was able to call in this many players you know, that means that they are inherently ahead of the entire uh, pack, I suppose. Uh, I, I was, I was going to ask, like, where you have Spain in terms of, like, the entire tournament. We'll but save that for later. We'll, we'll save yeah. it for later. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's, uh, l- let's see where they stack up in uh, the, the, the last segment for the men's tournament. And, and let's go over the last uh, group. And that last group has Brazil, Germany, Ivory Coast and Saudi Arabia. So let's start off with uh, from the bottom up, Saudi Arabia. If I'm being honest, and I love to be honest, I don't know anything about the Saudi <laughs> Pro League. I, I, I was actually checking some of the you know the AFC Champions League just to, to learn some more about uh, the, the 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 Middle Eastern uh, side of football, and I learned that all of the players from this. Uh, team all hail from the saudi pro league so the fact that i don't know anything about that kind of hurts <laughs> me so i'm getting a lot of my information from some experts and analysts on saudi football their three overage players are salem al dasari uh salaman al faraj yasser al sharani and these three players from what i hear are the three best saudi players right now so to have them on this team shows that Saudi Arabia are taking this tournament seriously, trying to get a medal, and that this is a great opportunity for those three players to show what the Saudi Pro League is all about. Uh, other key players that I highlighted through my, uh, my very brief watching of some highlights are uh, Abdu Rahman Garib, who is a winger for Al Ali, who's been a key part for their team and has actually featured for the senior national team before. And... Abdullah Al-Hamdan of Al-Hilal, who plays as a forward and will hopefully bag some goals for the team. Uh, I, I think he was highlighted as one of the, the best young players to be part of the Saudi Pro League. So to see those two uh, players on this team, obviously, I mean, when, when you're only picking from the Saudi Pro League, I, I suppose that you're going to get some good young players, but th- that bodes well for this team. So it's a good team. But they don't really have too much on the other teams in terms of talent. So I would have them on the bottom half of this group. They have not qualified since 1996. But the team did get runners up to the U23 Asian Cup, narrowly losing to a very good South Korean side aforementioned. Uh, next is Ivory Coast. 
And I was honestly very surprised to see how much talent is on this Ivory Coast side. How many players are playing in the European leagues? Overage players are Eric uh, Bailey of Manchester United fame, uh, Frank Kessie, who killed it as a midfielder for AC Milan this season, getting 13 goals as a midfielder, and Max Gradel, who's a for- forward from Sivaspor, who has a lot of international experience with the Ivory Coast, getting 86 caps. He's going to be the veteran presence that this very young Ivory Coast team needs. Because even with the overage players, they're not you know, too old. Like He's going to be the experience that this team relies on. Key players, there's a good amount. Ama Diallo, the wonder kid from Manchester United. Singo Wilfried, an amazing defensor from Torino. He has been one of their really standout youth players to come out of that team. Really looking forward to see him and maybe a vacuum bio of Toulouse. Uh, Toulouse? Toulouse? I think Toulouse. Toulouse? Okay, I was, I was right the first time, whatever. Uh, those three players, I think, are going to be the ones to watch. A lot of strong players on paper. Yes, they don't have a great history at the Summer Olympics, having not qualified since 2008. But hey, when you look at what they can bring, I have faith in them to at least make a splash in that group stage. Next, we have Germany, and obviously Germany are going to be good. Germany is, a, I would say, a potential contender for a medal. Their overage players are Max Cruz, the number 10 at Union Berlin, who scored 30 goals in the last three seasons for them. Max Arnold, a Wolfsburg midfielder, and Nadim Amiri. Uh, no, no, sorry. Max Arnold. Uh, no, yeah, Nadim Amiri. What am I even yeah, saying? Yeah, you got it. You got it. He, 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 he's a, the player to look out for, in my opinion. He plays for Bayer Leverkusen and is already an established name there. Other key players are Niklas Dorsch. Very, very interesting player to look out for. He's a defensive midfielder for Augsburg. And from what I've seen and heard, he is a leader on and off the field, stands up for his players, and honestly can just dominate a midfield. So Germany are going to uh, find a place to build a foundation out from. It's going to be that midfield. It's going to be Dorsch. And really expect him to do well this tournament. I'm putting all my eggs in my in one basket for that player. But uh, <laughs> other players that can do well are his Augsburg teammates, uh, Adoakai uh, and Marco Richter, uh, both very good players, and Florian Müller, who is going to be their goalkeeper from Stuttgart. They won the 2017 UEFA U21 tournament, were second in the 2019 edition, and won it again this year. Obviously, they don't have all the players from uh, that side, but still, when you look at the excitement that the German fans have for this team, you can feel that this team is still very strong on paper and that they're going to be strong in practice. They're taking a lot of those same guys from those other tournaments. So really looking forward to seeing them. Lastly, I have Brazil. And in my mind, Brazil have to be one of the medalist favorites as long as the players they called in don't get barred by their clubs, which I'm pretty sure we actually have the final roster for them, it, it, they're going to do well. They just have the raw player pool to do great things. They have a veteran presence in goal uh, with uh, Santos of Atletico Paranisi, uh, old man Danny Alves as a fullback, and Diego Carlos, who is going to be a center back beast. They also have some great forward and attacking talent. 
Gabriel Martinelli of Arsenal, Richarlison of Everton, yes, that Richarlison, Anthony of Ajax, who's scored nine goals at 21, Paulinho of Bayer Leverkusen, Douglas Luiz, who does play for Aston Villa in a, in a real actual role. They lost out on calling in Malcolm of Zenit and Pedro of Flamengo, who had their clubs bar their release, and I think that would have added a lot to this team. And unfortunately for Brazil and Arsenal fans, Gabriel had to leave because of an injury, so they're going to miss him. I think that's a really big uh, hit for their squad. But even despite that, this is still a very strong squad made up of already established names. And when you're looking at youth tournaments, to have a lot of players that are established know their roles on the team, have played professional minutes at a high level, that is huge. They are names that have played with each other at the U23 level in the past two years when they qualified in 2019. They got second place in the Conmebol Pre-Olympic Tournament, and they won the last Olympics. Obviously, they had Neymar back then, but still, like this team, no matter who they bring up for the U23s, can do well. So, therefore, my ordering for this group, the final group for the men's tournament, Brazil 1, Germany 2, Ivory Coast 3, Saudi Arabia 4. If Ivory Coast were maybe in Group B, I would definitely have them higher. It's just the fact that Brazil and Germany with the squads they're bringing, it's just too much. I'm so sorry, Ivory Coast. I really, really hope you can pull off an upset. That would be amazing. Jack, do you have the same ranking as me, or do you have, I don't know, Saudi Arabia at first? Uh, unfortunately for Saudi Arabia, no. I, 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 have, I have them in first if you look at them it from the bottom up, but I don't think that's much of a consolation. Uh, but I have Brazil first, Germany second, Ivory Coast third, and Saudi Arabia fourth. So just like you, I've got the same ranking. I, I think you know Brazil is by far and away the best team in this group and one of the best teams in this tournament, really, which overall means we only have one difference in the knockout rounds. Yeah. And it's I have South Korea as the winner of Group B and you have Romania as the winner of Group B. That is the only difference we have. So, you know, with with all of that, I don't have anything to add about any of those teams. But uh, did you want to go through each of the each of the brackets that we lined up and go through game by game since we have basically the same thing? Uh, yeah, sure thing. So my, my winner of Group A uh, is France, and they are going against the, or my group B runner-up, which is Honduras. Uh, I actually have Honduras winning that in an incredible, incredible upset. So I have them going to the semifinal, France uh, crashing out early. Uh, and then my winner for Group C, if I could uh, look at that, uh, Spain versus runner-up of Group D, which is Germany. I do have Spain beating Germany. It's going to be a great match to watch if that actually does yeah. happen. On the other side of the bracket, I have the winner of Group B, which is Romania of all teams, versus the runner-up of Group A, which is Mexico. Unfortunately for my girlfriend, Romania, in my mind, if this does happen, it's going to crash out to Mexico. I have Mexico going on to the semifinal. Uh, winner of Group D, as we all know, was Brazil. And runner-up of Group C is Argentina. They're going against each other. Uh, I had, yeah, I had Brazil take that as well for the semifinals. Uh, my, the semifinals for me turned out, was it Brazil versus Honduras? I'm, I'm forgetting. Brazil yeah, versus yeah. Mexico, I think, right? Yeah, Brazil versus Mexico. 
Brazil take that, Spain versus Honduras, Spain take that for uh, an all CONCACAF third place match. Honduras win that to win oh, a bronze wow. medal okay. for them. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, okay, if Honduras is going to beat the USA, I want them to go as far as possible to prove that we didn't lose to one of the scrubs. <laughs> okay. Plus, I think, Fair they, enough. Fair I think enough. they can actually do it. And for the gold medal match, Brazil versus Spain, those are my finalists. I have Brazil coming out on top. I just think it on paper, I think Spain's great, but these tournaments require a lot of luck. You're playing, uh, what, six games in a span of two and a half weeks. That takes a lot. So there is just a, a huge element of luck. I think Brazil will come out on top. Jack, how is your bracket looking? Uh, I mean, I, I have some similar stuff. So my first match, France versus Honduras. I have France winning that one. Boo. I, I know. I know, but I think France can do it. And then I've got between Spain and Germany, like you said, a good match. I have Spain winning it over overall for that one, though. And then uh, South Korea versus Mexico. Like you, I have the winner of Group B losing to Mexico in this one. And then what I think is the most exciting match, if this happens, I will love to watch this match. Brazil versus Argentina at the Olympics. Wow. Absolutely would love to see that because it's already good at the senior level. I can only imagine how it'd be at the U23 level. <laughs> I have Brazil winning it though. Uh, right. And then, and then uh, for the first semifinal, France versus Spain, which I think is a pretty good semifinal. Mm-hmm. I have Spain beating it. I, my bias can only take me so far. I can't, I can't draw a blind eye to Spain's squad in that instance. And then Mexico versus Brazil. I have Brazil beating Mexico in that one. So like you, okay. I, we have the same final, but I have a different winner. I have Spain winning overall. And then in that third place match, I have France versus Mexico. My bias, my bias will take me a little bit further. I'm saying <laughs> France get third. So overall, I have gold medal going to Spain, silver going to Brazil, bronze going to France, and fourth place going to Mexico. All right. So we both have Mexico in that fourth place spot. True. But just both, to, both of us yeah. have them losing. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'd love to see that. Uh, just to go over mine once more gold medal, Brazil, silver medal, Spain. Bronze medal, Honduras. Uh, a whole lot of nothing for El Tri, Mexico. <laughs> Let's talk about the women's tournament. Honestly, unfortunately, there's not a lot to really say about it. I mean, that, that sounds really dismissive. There is yeah. a lot to say about it. But at the same time, there are the favorites. Uh, and you know, let's just go over them. Uh, let's go over what, just what we think about each of the groups. Uh, group E, Canada. Canada deserves more credit as a team than they're getting right now. Canada is a very, very good team. I think they've been showing that the past couple uh, of years when they step up to friendlies. Yes, they didn't do too well at the She Believes Cup this la- last uh, winter. But still, you have Christine Sinclair, who is one of the, the women's soccer goats, who has 186 goals for Canada. They beat Wales and England in Wales and England and shut them out. Yes, it was a friendly, but wow, those are the, the two of the teams who combined for Great Britain, uh, it, it, who is uh, another, uh, another team in this group. So that's huge. Uh, going down the list for Group E, we have Great Britain as well. Fran Kirby, Ellen White, Kim Little, Rachel Dolly, Car- Caroline Weir. Like, that, that is still a stacked team, considering that they can combine Scotland, Wales, England, I don't know if they called any Northern Ireland teams or anything, but whatever, they're still a good team. We also have Japan in Group E. 
still a great team. I think they can qualify out of the group, perhaps. It's just that I think they've taken a little bit of step back. Case in point, their round of 16 exit in the 2019 World Cup. When you look at Canada and Great Britain, the players that they have, the results that they've been getting, uh, the potential that these players have for a tournament like this and their longevity through their depth, I think that's going to be very, very important. Chile, I have uh, in fourth place. Uh, just spoiler alert for that. Uh, I, I, I don't think that they have really what it takes to make it out of this group, unfortunately. So my ranking for Group E, Canada, Great Britain, Japan, and Chile. Jack, do you have anything different than that? I have something a little different, and I have Great Britain beating Canada, but okay, everything okay. else is the same. I have Great Britain coming out on top of Canada, and the reason why is, you know, a lot of the t- a lot of the players who play for Great Britain are coming off of absolutely fantastic seasons for their clubs. Sophie Ingle, who who uh, played for Chelsea, was fantastic. Fran Kirby, of course, was mm-hmm. amazing for Chelsea Great. this past season. Uh, you know, you you've just got so much talent in this one team combined. And, you know, like you said, Canada has some great players. I'm not going to dismiss that at all. They, they've got a Chelsea player as well in, in, uh, in Jesse Fleming, who, who plays, uh, plays for them. But I worry that they're going to rely way too much on Christine Sinclair. And while she is no. great, I think that that might be their downfall a little bit. The fact that they might rely on her quite a bit to make stuff happen. I, I, I just think that the overall talent overall distributed around Great Britain is a little bit higher than Canada. I don't think Canada is bad. Just stay, saying that because I do like Canada, <laughs> but I think I, I, I like the Great Britain team, but I'm I have the same order for you except for those top two. All right. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to very quickly just disagree with you on the Christine Sinclair. I, I think right. one of the the pros about Canada and her in general is that she's not like a very selfish player. She will pass the ball. She will help facilitate. She will help create space for other players to create some goals. I'm looking at Janine Becky of Manchester City, Adriana Leon of West Ham United of all teams. So the, the, the fact that she's not a selfish player uh, compared to like some of the older players for the U.S. Women's National Team, uh, I think will help them do better. But honestly, yeah, you're right. Great Britain is a very, very good team considering that, I don't know, it's unfair. They're, they have like, what, four teams in one? Like, <laughs> hello? Like, Four teams always going to beat one team. They, so. bas- they basically have three. Let's, they, they didn't call up okay. anyone from Northern Ireland. I, I'm pretty sure at least. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have just, uh, some Scottish and some Welsh players. It, it, yeah. Mostly English, to be fair, but right. some Scottish, some Welsh in there. Sophie, Sophie Ingle, Welsh. Very good Welsh player as well. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's go to Group F. Uh kind of a a hard team a hard group to really nail the rankings for there are three very good teams uh and zambia even though i would (laughs) i would love nothing more than zambia to qualify i would literally love nothing more than to see them qualify over like brazil or the netherlands oh my god i don't think that's happening uh the other teams uh are netherlands brazil and china jack how do you see group f for the women's uh tournaments playing out well i'm gonna spoil one thing right away and say i've had i have brazil on top i just think this brazil side yes there there's a lot of older players i mean they called up 
uh, Formiga, I think I pronounced that right, who's 43, for example. Uh, so there's a lot of older players on here, but those old players are still very good. Marta, case in point, mm-hmm. uh, 107 goals for Brazil. Dabinia, who's been playing well for the North Carolina Courage Absolutely. in there as well. I mean, like this team is very good and should, I, I feel like should win this group. They are very solid. They've been playing together for a long time. I, I'd expect them to win. China, I think, are also a pretty good team, but it's a lot newer of a team. Uh, that is, is one of the things that I noticed. There's a lot of players who are getting some of their first call-ups ever to the national team, which is good for, for China's team as a whole. But I worry that that could hurt them in like a group like uh, that has Brazil and the Netherlands, who have a lot of players who have played a lot together. Uh, and then the Netherlands, I mean, like the, the Netherlands are a very good team. But one person that I really want to point out uh, or two, actually, uh, Vivian uh, Medima, I pronounced that wrong, I'm sure, who plays for Arsenal in the Women's Super League, has been fantastic. One of the best goal scorers in the league. Uh, and even though she plays for Arsenal, I still really like her as a player. I think she's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, And then Lika Martins, who played for Barcelona as they won the Champions League this past season, the Women's Champions League. And she was very good in that. And she's very good for the Netherlands as well. And, you know, I think that I think that this team should do well enough to get out of this group. And then finally, Zambia, like you said, I'm not sure how they're really going to compete out, out, like uh, with everyone else. They have one player playing in Europe. Uh, their forward, Helen Mubanga, who plays for Zargoza in Spain. And then it's a lot of local players for them or mm-hmm. in-country players for them. They do have someone who plays in Israel, uh, their nice. goalkeeper. But, you know, I, I, o- overall, I just think, unfortunately, someone has to take last in this group. And I think it's going to be Zambia. In third place, I have China. I think China are a good team, but I just think that they're going to be a little bit short-staffed against the the other two who, in my mind, are the favorites for this group. Second, I have Netherlands, and first, I have Brazil. Yes, and I have the Netherlands first. Uh, Other than that, I have the exact same rankings as you. And that's kind of why I said there's not much to say about this women's tournament. I didn't mean it to sound as dismissive <laughs> as it was earlier. So I there's must just a apologize lot of favorites. For that. Yeah. yeah it, it's like, and that's kind of the story with a lot of international uh, women's tournaments recently and, well, forever in the World Cup, the Olympics, <laughs> what have you, is that there's very much levels to the game. There are some front runners who have established women's teams very much earlier, have given them the resources and the other teams, which unfortunately or fortunately because they are quickly catching up there are still there's still a very big divide so that's why i had netherlands first and brazil second after that there's a little bit of drop off uh china and zambia china i don't know much about the players themselves but i do know that they have always been pretty good on the women's circuit they are one of those countries that despite not having a very strong men's side has an established women's side has had the resources put in there uh, relatively compared to relatively well compared to uh, some other countries. Brazil are the queens of Conmebol. They are the best team in that continent. They've never gotten the gold at the Olympics. I'm sure they 
will like their chances if they can make it out of this group. Uh, you mentioned Dabinia and Marta. I, I will also mention uh, Bia Zanerato, who I, I think is going to be a good player for Brazil. The Netherlands, I just look at them and I think that they're the second best team in this tournament other than the U.S. women's national team. My favorite players that are going to be donning the orange, you, you took uh, uh, Mid, uh, what's that? Midema and Martins, both very good players. I'll have to mention very quickly Sherida Spitza, who plays for Ajax. Pretty good player. And of course, Danielle Van de Donk, who's going to be their number 10, played for Lyon, which is obviously one of the best women's teams right, in, right. in the world. So to have those players, pretty good. Not, not to mention the fact that they were runners up at the 2019 World Cup. Like, obviously, they're good. This is going to be their first Olympics. But they have been building up to this moment. So I'm very excited to see these very good players play at a, a level that I, I think that they can achieve, which is potential medalists. Let's go on to Group G. The, the one I think that we have the most to say about, I, I, I'd guess at least. Yeah, let's. And in fact, let's not even talk about the U.S. Women's National Team first. Let's talk about the other three teams. That also sounds dismissive, but again, there are levels to this, and I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like weirdly patriotic here, but when you look at it, I just think that the USA is the overall undisputed favorites go into this tournament. Doesn't mean they're gonna win it, but I think they are the favorites. Jack, how do you see uh, the rest of the group playing out? Unless you have USA not being first in the group, then oh, I obviously have them in last. Okay. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Oh, okay, okay. I'm kidding. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't even keep that up for that long. I, I can. But I'm gonna talk about the squad that I think is the second best in this group, and I'm sure this. I'm probably gonna get some disagreement with you on this. I think Australia uh, is very, very good, okay. and there's one okay. reason. Two words, seven letters across those two words, and it's Sam Kerr. See, I, I knew it. I knew you were going to go with Sam She's Kerr. incredible. She's incredible. She, she plays for Chelsea. Yes. <laughs> you can, I, oh I've gosh. said the word bias more times than one can count in this episode, but she is one of the best women's players, I think, in, in at least Europe, who has played in Europe. I, I think she's been fantastic. She didn't do that well in the Champions League final, but... She was still fantastic for Chelsea as they won the title. What uh, I could be getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure she was top scorer in the in the women's super league. I might have gotten that wrong, but she was up there at least. I I know. <laughs> uh, I'll but like she she scored 42 goals for Australia. She she's very good. Uh, she's a, a fantastic player. And then you know you've also got. Uh, a, a really good player from West Ham playing in this as well. Yeah. Emily Van Egmond, who's who is really good for West Ham. West Ham have struggled recently, but she's been a bright spot for them in the Women's Super League. Caitlin Ford, who plays for Arsenal, another fantastic player. Kaya Simon, who plays for PSV. There, there are a lot of good players in here, and they have a veteran goalkeeper in Lydia Williams. This is a solid squad that has a lot of talent that could get things done. That being said, they are going up against a very good team in this group, and that's Sweden. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like if, if Australia go above Sweden, it'll be on goal difference. That's the, okay. only, that's the only difference I, I see between these two. Uh, because Sweden are very good as well. 
They've got Chelsea's captain in there, Magdalena Eriksson, who, who's very good. Uh, they've, they've got a, a ton of players who play in Sweden, which is awesome for them because Sweden is probably one of the best leagues for women's soccer yeah. in, in, in Europe. Like they, they've been fantastic in, in developing their, uh, their league up there. But overall, I think that Australia has a bit more standout wow. player, a bit more standout players, at least to me. Maybe it's just because I watch a lot more women's Super League than I watch any other women's soccer. And that could be what's clouding my vision here. But I, I know Sweden are good because they gave the U.S. a lot of trouble recently. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And but overall, I, I, I just like Australia. And unfortunately, you know, someone's got to come on the bottom here. And I'm saying that's going to be New Zealand, just like in the men's side. Oh, no, Unfortun- unfortunately for them, yes, they're like they're they're an okay team, but just coming up against all of these other teams, I'm not sure how it's going to happen for them. I it's unfortunate to say because you know they've got some U.S. based uh, some U.S. based players yeah. in here, a lot of college players. Uh, they've got North Carolina uh, North Carolina Courage players, Kansas City players, Orlando Pride. But ultimately, I I just feel like like you said, there's levels, and unfortunately, New Zealand's on the bottom level. Oh no, <laughs> of, of the Olympics, of the Olympics, yes, of the Olympics. To be fair. Not yeah. not in general, because if they were at the bottom level in general, they wouldn't be here. Yeah. And, and to be clear, any any player from Zambia, Chile, New Zealand could run circles around us, would absolutely destroy yeah. oh, us yeah. and pretty much any average soccer player. So, of, of course, yeah, all, all, all respect to them, obviously. Jack, I, I, I have it flipped around with Sweden and Australia, though. I, I had a feeling you would. Because <laughs> here's the thing about Australia. Very good players. Very, very good players. Elise uh, Kelling Knight, Emily Van Eggman, Sam Kerr, of course, Caitlin Ford. However, 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 they're not in great form. Haven't won a game in 2021 against teams uh. <laughs> like Sweden, the Netherlands, teams that you have to beat in order to do well at this tournament. And I so. Probably should have looked at form a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Sweden. Yes, they're kind of playing worse teams like Malta and Poland. They are in good form, and they do have very good players. They have Jacobson up front, plays for Real Madrid. Rolfo and Olivia show as well. A lot of players that play for, like you said, very good teams for Sweden. Uh, BK Haken, Rosengard, two of the standout teams from that Swedish league. So I think that, yes, you can compare players to players. Yes, you can compare form to form. I just think that Sweden just have more of what it takes, which I know is a really weird way to like describe it, but I, I just think that they have the momentum when you add up both the player influence and their form to get second place. Yeah, I, I would not doubt it at all if it is if they advance on goal difference. So that, that that's how I see it. Let's get into the team that we have been looking forward to and wrap this episode up us women's national team the us women's national team is undoubtedly the favorites going into uh this tournament however there are in my opinion some things that can hold them back obviously obviously they are a, a very good squad you have very established names 
Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd, Kristen Press, Megan Rapino. Uh, you go back into their midfield and you have very, very talented players, both young and old. Sam Mewis, Christy Mewis, Julie Ertz, Lindsey Horan, Rose Lavelle, probably going to be one of their MVPs this tournament. And in the defense, you have another one of their possible MVPs, Crystal Dunn, their captain, Becky Sauerbrunn, Kelly O'Hara, Abby Dahlkemper, and then amazing goalkeeper choices in either French or Nahir, probably going to be Nahir. This is a very good squad, obviously, and I, I've talked about this before. If there's going to be one thing that holds them back, it's either, well, it's either A, arrogance, because that's what happens when you are on top of the world all the time. You have to be always defending your belt, and that can get very tiring no matter who you are. So they're going to have to have that mentality to compete. They're also going to need to have the legs to compete. This is a very old squad. If I remember correctly, when I did my... uh my deep dive on them for the U.S. Uh, women's national team corner that I did a couple of weeks ago. The average age of the squad is around 30, around 29, 30. All of the forwards that we're bringing, Tobin Heath, Lloyd, Press, Morgan, Rapino, Williams, are all either over 30 or, in Williams' case, still like in her prime, but 28, like still pretty old. And when you have a tournament where you play every other three days, you have two days rest. You have to begin to realize that you have to rely on your depth. And that becomes tricky when you, when you think about, well, who do we rotate? How do we make sure that we are well rested? We have such an old squad. Can they compete and not get overly fatigued? Do we have the overall depth to rest the player for an Australia game? for example, or rest the, rest the players during the New Zealand game. Can we afford to do that? That's where it gets really tough. And that's where the underdogs in our group and the underdogs in the tournament as a whole can strike. I think that's going to be our main weakness. I think defense is really great. It's just about creating those chances with potentially an older, fatigued midfield and attack. Jack, how do you see the U.S. Women's National Team's chances, and how do you think they stack up? Well, I think that they are one of the best teams in the tournament, like you said. I mean, sure, arrogance can come into play. I know this as a French National Team fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I know how I know how that happens. But overall, like these these players, they've been playing together for like ever. It feels yeah. like <laughs> chemistry is insane. Yeah, and I think because of that, they they should do pretty well. And I, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil spoil the ending a little bit. I have them as my projected winner, predicted okay. winner of the entire tournament. I I really think that this team is good enough to win, and they should win. I mean, if they if they don't, it'll probably come down to like a moment of arrogance or selfishness. Honestly, that that's what it will come down to. But on paper. This is the best team. All right. All right. Well, let's talk about our medalists. Did you want to go through the bracket? It is. It does get a little <laughs> bit confusing with the, the third place. It always does. But do you want to go through the bracket at all? I mean, so we have a lot of differences in it. But if you want to, I'm down to do it as well. All right. Well, I, actually, in that case, let's just go over <laughs> our medalists. All right. Figuring out the math. Well, it's not even math. It's just like you have to have like the mental capacity to understand the third place teams. <laughs> And since we have such a big difference, it's going to 
I feel like look pretty different with a group F and group E. Jack, who are your medalists? We know the, the gold. Yep. Who is silver? Who is bronze? Well, so I'm, I'm going to quick say one side of my bracket because I had Brazil versus Netherlands for the okay. semifinal on one side. And you'll remember that I ranked Brazil above the Netherlands. The only reason I did that, though, was on goal difference. I actually think they're going to draw each other in the group stage. Mm. And I think if it came down to penalties, I'd back Netherlands to win it. Okay. And because of that, I have Netherlands in the final facing off against the U.S. A, a repeat of the 20, or 2019 World Cup. And I, so I have Netherlands getting the silver medal. And then for my fourth or third place match, sorry, I have Great Britain versus Brazil. Ah, and okay. for that one, I, I went for Great Britain. I, I want to see I want to see some Chelsea players pick up a medal <laughs> so that, that that's that's about it. That's the only rationale, really. Uh, not just that the Great Britain team is a good one. So I, I think they oh, can yeah. do it. So that that's what I have. Gold, U.S., silver, Netherlands, bronze, Great Britain. And unfortunately, not even a gold medal, not even a medal this time for Brazil. Unfortunate. Well, if, if, if my prediction of Brazil winning the gold in the men's side uh, happens, well, that might be some consolation. True. <laughs> You're going to laugh, Jack. I have almost the same exact rankings, right. except I have who I think is going to win Group A or Group E, Canada, instead of Great Britain there. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I have on one side of the bracket my semifinals. I think it's the, the U.S. versus Canada. That huge would be game. a great match. That would be a fantastic <laughs> match. We, we follow some uh, Canadian soccer fans. I know that they're going to blow up if that game happens. I know U.S. soccer is going to blow up if that happens. On the other side of the bracket, it's Netherlands versus Brazil. And I have uh, Netherlands going on to the final. U.S. women's national team going on to the final. U.S. women's national team wins the gold. Netherlands, silver medal. Canada, bronze medal. And Brazil... Fortunately, gets nothing. But Jack, and now that I'm thinking about it, since you have Netherlands and Brazil on one side of the bracket, does that mean Great Britain and the USA are going to face each other in the semifinal? Yes, that's what I have for the semifinal, and I think that would be a good match too. Yeah, Revolutionary War repeat, you know? Yeah. Oh man. Well, <laughs> yeah, Revolutionary War, War of eighteen twelve. You know, this is part three, I suppose. Part so, three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Those are our medalists. Jack, do you want to very quickly go over your men's and women's just one more time so we can wrap this thing up? Yeah, sure. So uh, for goal, for the men's tournament, winning the gold, I have Spain. Silver medalist, I have Brazil. Bronze, I have France. And fourth place, I have Mexico. And then on the podium for the US, or for the women's side, I forgot because, you know, the U.S. women's side is already so good. I already <laughs> I just associate with the, them with yeah. the podium. Uh, gold, I have the U.S., silver, the Netherlands, bronze, Great Britain, and fourth place, Brazil. All right. Nice, nice. Jack and I have, you know, some pretty similar matchups here, if not just a, a little flipped. For the men's side, I have Brazil uh, getting gold, Spain, silver, Honduras, bronze. Mexico, as always, nothing. Uh, for the women's side... U.S. Women's National Team gold, and the more we hype them up, the more I'm getting scared of <laughs> jinxing them. So, uh, kind of scared about that. Netherlands, I think we'll get silver. Canada, bronze, good for Canada. And Brazil, unfortunately, is the unlucky loser in the third place game. Those are our predictions and previews for the Olympics. I very much enjoy the Olympics. I'm going to be very excited to watch it. I know Jack is as well, watching France get 
uh, get a, a round of 16, round a quarterfinal exit, I should say. No, so. no, no, not a chance. Third yeah. place, like I said, bronze medal. Okay, <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, we'll see who comes out on top there. Uh, we'll be live tweeting that. And Jack, where can they go uh, read and like and retweet our live tweets? Well, you can go to our Twitter at Final Third Show. Uh, you can watch us live tweet the Olympics. You can watch me cry when Olivier Giroud officially leaves Chelsea. Uh, you can watch me cheer when Chelsea sign Erling Holland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just some wishful thinking there. Hopefully, hoping to manifest that one into existence. And a bunch of other stuff, too, that uh, especially Gold Cup, which we previewed uh, last week. On, yeah. on this when this comes out at least last week for us it was yesterday but <laughs> there we go uh so make sure to follow us on twitter give us some likes give us uh interact with us on there it will be a good time yeah uh instagram is the same name at final third show haven't really been posting on that but if we ever do go follow us there <laughs> uh and we have been getting some great listenership in the past couple of episodes Thanks in large part to our guest and thanks in large part, obviously, to you guys who are listening. Thank you so much for doing that. If you made it this far, I think we earned a, a rating and a review. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, go give us a follow. Give, give, give us a review. We'll appreciate it so much. As always, tell a friend about the show as well. That always helps. Tell your dad even about the show. I'm sure he's going to be watching the Olympics. I feel like all dads do. So go tell him to... <laughs> Watch some soccer and come to us for some uh, Olympic soccer previews. And with that, we'll see you guys next Monday. And I believe Jack is going to be with us uh, will, live. Yeah. So we won't have a special guest. And we'll see you guys same time, same place next Thursday for our deep dive episode. See ya. Bye for now. Bye.